You're in the water loop. Welcome to Waterloop, the podcast helping water leaders to discover solutions and drive change. I'm the host, Travis Loop. Nearly two decades after Hurricane Katrina, there are continued efforts to make New Orleans more resilient to storms and climate change. A recent innovation is the Green Mortgage, a program that helps lower-income people buy a home and provides a budget for retrofits for water, wind, and energy projects. The Green Mortgage concept is discussed in this episode with Damon Burns, President and CEO of Finance New Orleans. He explains how green mortgages can also be used to bolster resilience of multifamily affordable housing developments and surrounding water infrastructure. Damon talks about creating an environmental impact bond to finance the program. Before starting, a quick mention that Waterloop is a nonprofit media outlet, and this episode is made possible by support from Springpoint Partners. Now to the conversation. You're in the Waterloop. Could you talk, start out talking about the kind of the unique challenges here in New Orleans uh, that that you know you're looking at, that you're part of trying to figure out solutions to? Just describe the challenge here, especially as it relates to water and climate resilience? You know, uh, I think climate is just a way of life in New Orleans. I mean, it, it is everywhere, but you know, Katrina is fresh in everybody's minds, but we've had other storms. I remember you know, older generations still talking about storms that were really in, impactful in the middle of last century and even earlier. Um, so it's just a fact of life here, and we've all, always had to evacuate and run from storms and uh, a lot of false alarms over the years. Katrina was a tipping point because it changed the way that we think about climate, it changed the way that we think about protecting ourselves. And how do, how do we want our city to run? You know, how do we want the infrastructure to look? How do we want it to help us out during a time of a disaster? or in the aftermath of a disaster. Something has to be different, right? Like it's like the, the old systems, the old barriers, the way things are. Yeah, and it's not uh, helping us anymore. Mm. You know, it's just causing more damage and there's just a bigger issue going on in the world right now with climate. And we know that the change, you know, climate's always changing, but something's not right at this moment. Mm. Just the, the frequency of the events, the intensity of the events, you know, tornadoes. Yeah, you guys just had some here like a few months ago or something, that's right? right? That's yeah. Right. And, and that's just something that we didn't think much about in past years. So that's evidence that there's something going on and people here are, are becoming more aware. Uh, you know, people in the community that you know, maybe didn't think about stormwater management around their house in past years are starting to consider, well, what kind of stormwater management do I need in my house, around my house? What kind of water technology do I need inside of my house because a lot of these older homes are more costly to operate. Sure. So there's just so many implications of the climate but also just a, uh, a city getting older and us needing to rethink all of the infrastructure and figure out ways to be innovative because we do have in infrastructure here that's old now but once was considered innovative. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, New Orleans, for sure. New Orleans has been, when it comes to like the system of pumps and pipes and levees and, and all that stuff, that was, that was leading the world, right? Like 100 years ago, though. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we got to get our edge back <laughs> and you know, figure out we, we lost some time there. And you want the infrastructure to last a long time, so that's yeah. great. But 
what are the things that we can be doing over time to adapt with the world. And you know, it's not even just the, the hurricane storms that come here. You know, you guys just get big, heavy downpours that cause issues in the streets often, right? Like that rainy season from spring to late summer. One long uh, rainy day could be problematic for certain neighborhoods. And that's another thing that's been exacerbated by just the change in climate, the, the infrastructure is getting older and needs to be reinvested in. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it doesn't have to be a hurricane for us to have a, a bad water. Well, you just used the word reinvest. So uh, with what you're doing, what's, what's the approach here from a financial side? I think you talked about to build resilience, you're going to have to have dollars, right? That's a big part of it. So could you talk about that? Sure. Well, as the city's uh, green bank, a green housing agency, our job is to put dollars to work where the private dollars aren't quite making it. Or, and to put it another way, we also partner with a lot of private sector investors, financial institutions, developers, companies uh, that are looking to make uh, Im improvements to our infrastructure or invest in what we call public purpose projects. But there's always a need for a public sector conduit to make those projects happen, to make them work. And that's our role, Finance New Orleans' role in the city. But in order to do that, we need capital too. We're just like any other financial institution. Uh, and it can be really challenging raising, raising money on the public side because we're not selling equity. We do sell bonds. Uh, but the, the bar is just a little bit higher for us as a governmental agency to get into the bond market or, or to get some of the other dollars that are out there. So we have many different sources of funding that we're going after, and it's going to be necessary in order to create the, uh, the conditions for a developer to be able to borrow or a home buyer or a governmental agency that wants to build uh, resilience hubs using this publicly owned buildings, you know, putting battery and solar storage so that the community can have a place to go during times of disaster. Uh, all of that costs money. So we're, we're constantly on the quest for dollars from the federal side, from state uh, agencies, local, of course, and then we're working with private sector partners, too, uh, to help us round out our investment needs. Being part of the city, though, being this, this quasi-public entity, you have some of those challenges, but you have advantages, too. You, it lets you be in a unique space, though, right, where you can kind of pull on these different, different places. It does. And uh, you know what? The, the doors are always open for us, and we take advantage of that as much as possible. So we, don't, we hardly meet a competitor. You know, everybody's a collaborator because we, uh, our job is to stimulate the entire ecosystem. So whenever we do go and sit down with a private sector financial institution, we always come in and talk about partnership because we're not trying to compete with them. We're trying to create impact in the city. That's our goal. So our job is to partner with the whole ecosystem of uh, private sector partners, public sector partners, the community to bring together this investment because it does take uh, multiple parties at the table in order to make these projects work. So you're kind of, in ways you're kind of that hub of the wheel there, right? And yes. Yeah. Uh, so this, this emphasis on financing resilience that was kind of born out of Katrina um, has led you to some pretty cool, I think, uh, approaches here with this green mortgage program that involves some different aspects. Uh, could you talk about that, that program and, and the different pieces? Sure. So we've, uh, we've been around for a number of decades, and historically we've financed home ownership programs. I mentioned that we provide capital where the banks don't, and that's what we've been known for. So we've 
supported a lot of first-time home buyers, low to moderate income families, families in distressed communities that want to get into home ownership, that want to make that big investment because it can be life-changing for their families. So we've been a conduit for making that happen over, over the years. Of course, when Katrina happened, uh, it changed our, our dynamics. We uh, took a big financial hit and then a recession happened right afterwards. So we were, we were struggling to rebuild during a time of recession. So we had to come up with new ways to address our market and to reach the market. And of course, uh, if, you know, we want to build back bigger and better. Well, the first thing we know, if we're going to build back, we need to make sure our, our uh, physical, physical assets are protected. Yeah. And if we're helping, particularly uh, a first-time home buyer or a family trying to uh, raise their economic level, you know, it's, it's really tough to put them into a home and that home not be protected. So that, you know, if the first disaster strikes, then they're in a, actually in a worse position than when they started. They're flooded out and then they're in trouble, yeah. Right, and that can happen to, to any family along the income spectrum. So we're just uh, keeping that in mind. And one of the things we did with our housing program, um, we reimagined it to include resilience measures. So yes, we're still helping families get into the home with a first mortgage and down payment assistance, but we've also built in a budget that allows them to make that home more resilient if it's not already. So they can invest in water retrofitting, which is stormwater management features outside of the house and water technologies inside of the house. They can also do an energy retrofit, which includes basic energy efficiency measures all the way to solar and battery storage. And then a wind retrofit, which deals with hurricane force winds and just those rainy days to protect the envelope of the home. Okay. So there are different things that each homeowner can do to the home to make it more resilient, to feel more protected, and there's going to be, uh, in the future, it's not quite where we want it to be yet, but as these homes are being appraised and families are taking out what, what kind of wealth have they created, well, we think it's going to be essential to have some of these measures built into the home to maintain the wealth that families are investing. Right, yeah, if you have a house that's, that's resilient, it's got these stormwater features, energy efficient, whatever, that's gonna be worth more. It's, it's, you get a better uh, sale price for that house. Exactly. Oh, wow, yeah, exactly. that's cool. And then you have also the, uh, a multifamily approach, right, for, for multifamily housing, this green mortgage too, what's that? So it's just same thing uh, on the single family side, but it's focused on developers. So the idea is that developers need mortgages to build affordable housing, and they come to us for those specialized mortgages. Well, within those mortgages, uh, we build in a budget for green improvements. Uh, there, there, are also, there are also standards on the developer side that require them to follow enterprise green community standards or lead standards, for example. Uh, so those are all baselines, but the city also has stormwater management requirements. So there's a list of requirements that these developers have to meet. So the program is naturally green in that way, but we're also utilizing our financing programs to get them to go above and beyond, uh, to net zero, if you will, or to be fully sustainable properties. Because they're affordable housing developments, so it can be really difficult to get everything you want in it, but the projects need it, particularly if you're talking about a senior living facility in a time of a disaster. Right, so those, those buildings need to be protected and have a lot of me measures and standards uh, so that they can operate over the long run. Yeah, that's right. I've heard a lot of stories with storms and, and you worry about you know, retirement communities or senior, senior housing because those folks can't you know, 
retreat. <laughs> they, they can't just go evacuate in the same way and yeah, they're vulnerable. And so they gotta be more resilient. Um, and then I think the third piece of your green mortgage program is, is like the bigger infrastructure around this housing, is that right? That's right, that's right. So uh, that's a, a new area of investment for Finance New Orleans, born out of our experience with Katrina and all of the subsequent issues that we've faced. Well, we can reinvest in all of the housing uh, that was lost during Katrina, but then what's gonna happen to the infrastructure around that housing? Because that's one of the key reasons why the community didn't bounce back right away. The infrastructure wasn't prepared for that damage. So moving forward, we need to make sure the infrastructure around the housing is also receiving the proper investment, and it goes hand in hand. So of course, there are different levels of infrastructure. There's the infrastructure we don't see every day, but it's definitely there. You know, there's the heavy-duty infrastructure in industrial areas. You talked about the levee protection system. But then there's neighborhood-level infrastructure, stormwater management that needs to happen at each property, uh, renewable energy production or microgrids, specialized projects uh, that companies want to come in and build new facilities, clean manufacturing facilities or clean transportation facilities. Those are all critical to having a functional community. And so that's also going to protect and increase the wealth of the home buyers that we're trying to support, particularly low to moderate income home buyers. When you're upgrading the whole community, right? The community around them, then that lifts up their, their home. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, it's pretty straightforward. Nothing, no rocket science behind that. We're just trying to make sure we direct resources in the right place. I think it's really about being intentional and having a plan, sticking to it. Uh, you know, government agency plans can take a while to unfold. Sure. But I think this is more of a 100 year plan or longer. So we're at the very beginning of a continuous investment process that needs to happen over multiple generations. Well, it makes me think, I was thinking about how as this happens over time, you really are turning over the city and the houses, right? You're, you're, you're just chipping away at, at lifting them up, making them all more resilient and over decades, right? It'll just, it'll just have this effect. Uh, that's really cool. Um, so one of the one of the other key pieces for this green mortgage program is is you guys having the capital to make it happen, um, and this is where you're getting into the environmental impact bond space. Something that's newer that hasn't happened a lot, but it has happened in places like D.C. and Atlanta. Uh, maybe you maybe you know a few other ones. Um, shout out to the Quantified Ventures folks here because uh, they hooked us up and they're involved in this space. Uh, so could you talk about EIBs, environmental impact bonds, and how you're how you're trying to use that to make the green mortgage happen? Sure. So we have been working with Quantified Ventures on designing an impact bond issue to support the work that we've we've been talking about to create more single family, multifamily, and infrastructure investment in the city. Normally. And I say normally because impact, you know, normally is relative because impact bonds are very new. Yeah. But in the impact bond issues that we've seen so far, they've been mostly project-based, or if not all project-based. And that's what the muni market is. It's a project-based market. Well, we're talking about creating a new, a new system and trying to finance an enterprise that's going to do uh, a series of infrastructure investments over a long period of time. So how do you finance that type of activity and that's been the jigsaw puzzle of the impact bonds that we've been trying to create because we need capital to uh, facilitate our enterprise we need to facilitate our operations because of the financial damage we sustained 
in all of the events that have happened over the last 15 years. Um, so for us, we've been trying to make the case that, yes, this is a unique circumstance and um, a unique use of impact bonds, but we think this is maybe normal in the future because many other cities are going to have to go through the same process. Maybe not to the extent that we've had to go through it, but cities are, are going to have to turn over their infrastructure uh, investment processes, their needs, the infrastructure to make the infrastructure investments. Yeah. All of those things have to change. And cities haven't quite made that, that huge step yet. And just to put it in context, uh, I think there's only about, in the muni bond market, only about 5% of the, the bonds are green bonds right now. Mm. That needs to be 100%. Wow. So it's part of, it's part of regular business. It is. Yeah. It is. And, and, but in order for it to be a part of re regular business, many agencies, cities, finance authorities, green banks, they're going to have to reimagine their operations. They're going to have to reimagine their missions and how they go about doing it. So you guys are just charting that new, charting that new ground here, and you're going to figure it out, and then, and then everybody else is going to just use your playbook, right? That's, that's what we hope. That's what we hope. Yeah, yeah. We, and and we're, we're collaborating with a lot of other cities right now on the housing and infrastructure side. So it's going to be an ongoing process, but we do get a lot of help from other places, and we offer things too, um, situations that we've been through that maybe another city has not. So between all of that collaboration with other governmental agencies, our own local um, ecosystem of agencies, and then uh, our private sector partners. We think there's a lot of innovation ahead for impact bonds. And they're all their own separate little black box. And we think it's probably going to be that way for some time. So I don't know if there's uh, going to be a standard environmental impact bond or any kind of impact bond. We ended up calling ours community impact bonds because it's inclusive of environment, it's inclusive of economic development is inclusive of social equity. Quality of life. Exactly. So um, I think that my prediction for the future is that all of the impact bonds we see, they're just going to be unique to those cities, to those agencies. Yeah. Everything, I mean, when it comes to the environment and water, it's often very local, like the, the challenge, the nature of the challenge, you know, what is the landscape of this place? What's the community like? So you always, everything has to be a little bit tweaked for sure. Um, and here goes New Orleans again, pioneering some solution, you know, and uh, going to have to share it outward. We've had to learn lessons tough way and figure out the solutions tough way. But um, what would be, I guess, your general advice for other communities that might, you know, be hearing this or thinking of going this route or thinking this might be something good to try where we are? Like, how do they just kind of get started? Well, I think it starts with, with that word you just said, the community. And uh, we've tried to be very community oriented here. I think some of the, some of the issues we could have short circuited by spending a little more community time, even though we did a fair amount. But the lesson there is you can never do too much community engagement and just learning from the community what they want, what they need, and they'll tell you directly. Yeah, yeah, people, people speak out, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah, and you shouldn't underestimate the community because I, st I stated to you when we were talking earlier, the community has started to come to us telling us what kind of technology it wants because of what they're going through whenever every time some storm comes or a disaster strikes or a tornado the community knows what it needs yeah. so you just have to talk to them and uh, I think it's an iterative process where you go to the community you go back you know to the pri the public sector the private sector and you do the work that needs to happen but the community has to have to stay there along the way and you need them to be comfortable uh, and bought into what you're doing then ultimately absolutely yeah. 
I think that's really important that the community is um, comfortable, but also bought in because the, com the community will sell the project that needs to be done. They will sell the initiative for the agency or for the city if it's coming from the community. So we have a lot of support right now from the community because they think we are doing the right thing. They, they think we're moving in the direction that the city needs. Um, so we try to stay in tune with the community on that front and make sure that we don't get off track because they will very, very quickly let us know if we get off track. So I, my advice to all of the other cities is just stick to, stick to the community, uh, take input on what the community needs, but I think there's also a part of that where you got to tell the community what it needs because it may not know mm -hmm. that certain things exist yet, um, certain practices that may be going on in other cities, other countries that can be brought back to the community. So that's where that collaboration comes in and getting their input. Um, you know, sometimes they'll say speed up, slow down, whatever the case might be, but we try to take our cues from there. Well, Damon, I, uh, I come to New Orleans often. Uh, I look forward to you know, future visits uh, coming and, and seeing some of this stuff happen in, in the community, but thanks for the conversation so much. Thanks for having me, Travis. Welcome to New Orleans, and we always love to have you back. Always. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this podcast, and thanks to Springpoint Partners for supporting the Waterloop nonprofit media outlet. To find all episodes, sign up for email updates, and connect on social media, visit waterloop.org.